Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the house today? Everybody good? Everybody good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Those of you who are with us online, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a chilly morning wherever you're at. It may be warm where you're at, but it's cold here. We get this like one cold day a year, and this is it. Um, and so uh, I noticed today in our first gathering that some people were, were like, I'm not coming out in that. You know what I'm saying? It's like San Antonio. If it's below 40, if it drizzles, we're done. We're out. We're out. <laughs> Can I get an amen from some San Antonio people? We're like, no, we don't do that. Right? But some of you guys made it, so thank you so much for being here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, at LifePoint, and we're so glad you've joined us. Uh, if you're in the lobby or in the tent, thank you. If you're in the tent, dear God, we're praying for you right now. Uh, but thank you for being here today. We're in this series called Flourish, and I don't have time to recap the whole thing that we did last week. If you missed it, go to lifepointsa.com and find it there. Um, we also have it on our YouTube page. And then every Wednesday, we send out um, a newsletter, a kind of a what's happening around here. And the sermon gets embedded in there along with some sermon notes. So if you're not part of our mailing list, you can go by Next Step Central, give them your email, and you can get that and you can catch back up. But just the idea of flourish kind of at a big picture view is that we, we learn to have, we have peace with God. We have peace with other people. And we have peace uh, within ourselves. That's the, the, the idea of shalom, which is the Old Testament idea of peace. And I think it works well with flourish. Now, I want to say this one thing. Is it possible to have peace with everyone? No. In fact, Paul says in Romans 12, I think it's verse 18, he says, as far as it depends on you, he says, first of all, he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, meaning it's not always dependent upon you. Sometimes other people won't work with you. But, but, but flourishing in general means peace with God, peace with people, peace within yourself. But it's beyond that. If you go back in the very beginning of our Bible, you discover that it's, it's also living a life with purpose and meaning and, and, and that we get a mission from God to orient our lives around so that we can make a difference in this life and we're growing in the key areas uh, of life. That doesn't mean we don't have suffering or troubles or struggles because it's part of the human condition, but that we can flourish in spite of those things. And ultimately that God is bringing about, Galatians chapter five, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit coming alive. So, so flourishing, um, the righteous, the planted, the Bible says flourish. We, we have a kind of partnership with God, if you missed it, go check that out. I was thinking um, this week, I was reading some stuff and, and I was thinking this week about the parable um, that Jesus gave in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. And most of you are probably familiar with it. Even if you're not a Bible person, you probably know this story. And <clears throat> this son, this younger son gets frustrated with his life, frustrated with his dad, and he says, I'm going to go do things my own way. He leaves, takes his money, his inheritance ahead of time. And he goes out and he lives life riotously, the Bible says. He wastes it all. He finds himself in a pig pen. And he's not only just feeding the pigs, but he's eating what he's feeding them. And so he, he decides to go back home. 
And when he gets back home, what he experiences is what he experiences is this radical kind of acceptance, this unconditional love, um, this restoration to sonship. What, what he should have experienced is kazuza, what's, that's the word, was cutting off. He should have been cut off from the community. He should have been turned away, but instead, I'm going to cough. <coughs> right now, the allergies. I'm going to cough one more time. Thank you very much. It was tickling me, man, and I was like, I got to get it out. <laughs> yes, that happened to me all night long. You're welcome. All night long. All right, anyways. <clears throat> he should have been cut off. He should have been turned away, but instead he gets a huge welcome home party. And he would have gone to bed that night after the party, knowing his identity as a beloved son, he would have known how great the father's love for him was, that he forgave him just as he found him, that I'm welcomed home. But I started thinking about, and it's just a story, a construct that Jesus makes, but I started thinking about what about the next day for the son? After the party, what about the next week? What about the next month? How does this son hang on to this, this sense of new identity? or the knowledge that he is loved by his father, that his father is the kind of dad, Jesus says, who was willing to run out to meet him as he comes home covered in his shame and his guilt. How does, how does he uh, allow that knowledge to play out in his everyday life, to begin to change him, to begin to form him after the party, after the excitement is over, what now? How will he change? How will he recover from a wasted life? How will he become <clears throat> what he was meant to become? And then I started thinking about how, do, how does anybody do that? Because the son is us. It's all of our story. We've all run away from God. We've all run away from the father, right? We've all come back. But how do we how do we live in the reality that we are loved, that we are prized, that we, are, we have a purpose and a design in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures? There is a design. There is a flourishing that can come. How do we achieve that? Like, I think the great news is that this is a story of grace, right? That, that grace comes to us when we're at our lowest, our messiest, our most broken, and says, I'll forgive you. I'll wash away your sins. I will look at you through the lens of the perfect, sinless Lamb of God of Jesus. Like, I will, I will, I will see you as though you, just as if you never sinned. That's justification. We talked about that last week. But, but grace doesn't stop with the cleanup process, right? The, the gospel of grace says, not only will I forgive you, not only will I accept you, but I will change you. And I will bring about a whole new way of life for you. And I will, I will shape you and I will form you into the image of Jesus. I will cause you to be fruitful and to flourish. And that process is called sanctification. That, that lifelong partnership with God as he makes us, as he molds us. The gospel has the power to forgive. Yes, amen. Can I get an amen on that? But, but also it's got the power to change us and to bring out the best in us and over time as we partner, that's the word, as we partner with God. And I, I think we see something 
in the text, in Jesus' text, <clears throat> that gives us insight into how we, this plays out for the son. Because in, in, in verse 12, we read that the son says, and this is before his life falls apart. He says, Father, give me. That's entitlement. That's the spirit of the age, entitlement. It doesn't matter if I didn't do anything for it. I'm entitled to it. That's the, the son's attitude. But then by the time life falls apart, verse 19, as he's making his way back to his father, he changes that attitude from father, give me, to father, make me. You see that? Verse 19, Father, make me. That's, that's whatever it looks like, Father. Whatever, whatever processes, whatever pain, whatever tests, whatever trials that need to come my way, just don't leave me like you find me. Make me into something brand new, something that you can use for your glory. Give me, make me. And I think the shift that we see there in his attitude is what we're after in this message today. The message today is called, I will cut you. Jesus. I wish we had it here so you could see it. I will cut you, Jesus. Okay? If you're new here and you're like, what does that even mean? Well, hang with me, right? I think if we're going to flourish in this life, if we're going to bear the kind of fruit that our lives are capable of bearing, it's going to be a process. The way that Eugene Peterson describes it in his book is a long obedience in the same direction. Say that with me. A long obedience in the same direction. Hang on to that idea. Flourishing will involve staying planted. We read that to you last week. The thing is, if plants will flourish, if they will bear fruit, meaning if they're meant to bear fruit, there will be some pruning involved. Um, You may get to flourishing in your life by a process of elimination. We think, oh, what's God going to add? But I'm going to argue it may be more important what God's going to take away. So John 15, this is our text for the day, a long reading, so hang with me. I'm the true vine, Jesus says. By the way, this is the seventh of his I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the true vine. My father is, say this with me, he is the gardener, hang on to that. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, clean, because of the word I have spoken to you next. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, right? It it must remain in the vine, And he's the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's the goal, by the way. Apart from me, you can do, this is verse six, nothing. Now seven, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever it is you wish, it will be done for you. And this is to my Father's glory that you bear, here it is again, what? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now this passage, uh, we can't get into all of it today. I just want to get into a few of the ideas. We'll keep unpacking it over the next couple of weeks. The, the key here is the word remain. Eight times in this, just this section of of, of, of John 15, 
the word uh, remain, or in the older translations, the word is abide, and I love that word as well, um, gets, appears. That repetition bears note, right? Like Jesus says, you're going to have to remain or abide in me if you're going to get anything of eternal value out of your life. Now, if you're going to flourish and be fl- fruitful, you're going to have to stay planted. Planted where, right? In, in, in God's house, in God's word, in God's presence with God's people. That's what we started last, or last week. Last week, we went into a kind of theology of fruitfulness that God gave Ab and Eve a mandate to be fruitful, to increase, and to be image bearers. <clears throat> the image of God was placed on them to, to spread the image of God all throughout the earth, right? <clears throat> but as we'll see again and again, the key is you've got to stay planted. Psalm 92, we read it last week. It's on our wall out in the front if you're, if you're here in the room. Like the righteous, that's the caveat number one, the righteous, those who are in right standing with God will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How? Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. We're talking about flourishing and how that how that starts, and it starts there, staying planted, staying connected. God, make me. Whatever that process looks like, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to go through it. I won't be flaky. I won't be flighty. I won't uproot myself. I'm going to stay planted. Now, I want to dig deeper now than I did last week into this notion of planting, and it's going to be a little bit cumbersome, so, so hang with me, okay? In the next weeks, we're going to go some places, but we got to set this up. We live, you and I, and we're part of the problem. We live in a, in a world where people can't stay planted at anything. Right? Over the last, the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, we're more transient than we've ever been. In and out of relationships, in and out of jobs, in and out of cities, in and out of churches, in and out of schools, careers. But Jesus says there is a real power that comes from staying in the same place. Like a long obedience in the same place direction. Now, now let's be, let's get real about same, right? Not, I don't mean stuck same, like you're just stuck in the same place. I don't mean like kind of dumb thing. We just keep doing the same dumb things over and over again. You with me, right? I don't mean stubborn. I'll not move no matter what, you know, right? I don't mean scared to, to, to uh, same, like, but I mean the, the right same. Okay. Don't get distracted. Don't chase after the new and the latest. Stay right here with me, Jesus says. In the same place, abide, remain. Don't get in a hurry in life. Slow down. Find the rhythm of grace. Stay focused on a life that flourishes. Stay planted in Jesus. And doing, listen, here's the thing. Doing the same right things over and over and over again over a long period of time. You do that in in your relationships you do that in your finances. You do that in your spirituality. You do that with your health. Same right thing. Same right thing. Week after week, month after month, year after year. He says that will produce fruit in your life over time. And, and it's true that the kind of fruit that, that God wants to birth in your life are those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit uh, that God's trying to birth in your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit-filled life. God's desire, we read it, is that you bear much fruit. You and I are are, are to be fruitful, right? And I think fruitfulness is double-sided. It's a double-sided coin. On the one hand, 
Fruitfulness represents a kind of way of being. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes. This is just who you are. You don't have to try to love. Try. It's just who you are. It's a way of being. But on the, but, but on the other hand, it represents something that we're supposed to do. It's a way of being and it's a way of doing. There's something we are meant to be and God does that work inside of us and there are some things that we are meant to do and we partner with God to do that. Does that make sense? And sometimes it's the habits of doing the same right things over and over and over again through life that bring about that kind of being that God wants us to be. But there is a huge value in planting yourself in a place and doing the same right things over and over and over throughout life. There's an incredible power when consistency over time pays off. When you decide, hey, my marriage is a massive part of my life, so I'm gonna do whatever it takes to to do the same right things over time to have a good marriage. Whatever it takes to have a financial peace in my life, I'm gonna do the same right things throughout my life, and it's gonna generate the kind of fruit that we're looking for. Now, this is not a popular way of doing life in our culture, right? Because we are people that love shiny, new, and next, right? What's the next thing, right? Now, I'm not saying that's always the wrong thing. I'm just saying that that mindset can get in the way of real growth. Not, not quick growth, not, not pop up and down growth, like, like, like consistent growth over time. Now, let's use a common New Year's goal, right? Right, a lot of you are saying, hey, I gotta get in shape. You came into the year, you ate everything that you saw, come on, all through the month of, from, from Thanksgiving till till the first. On the first, you're like, I better get it all in today. Come on, you know you did. It's just me, right? But then you're like, man, you've at least thought about getting in shape, right? Come on, somebody, right? You haven't done anything about it, but you're like, I'm thinking about it. That's step one, right? And a lot of us have or will start going back to the gym again, right? I was thinking about doing it tomorrow, but then I was like, but it's Martin Luther King Day and the great man, and we got to celebrate him, and we got to remember what he was about. We got to go after what he was going after about, so I'm going to just chill on Monday. Come on, in honor of MLK. Come on, somebody, right? But when you go, when you finally get to the gym, you start noticing there's a lot of fit people there, but they didn't become fit overnight, and What separates them from me is consistency, right? The truth is these people aren't fit because they said, well, I ate like a cow the last month and a half of my life. I better work out three hours today and that'll change it all. That'll undo all of it, right? They're fit because they find ways to work on it either every day or a lot of days consistently. So here's the point. When you do the right thing daily, you take consistent steps forward without negating your progress with backward steps. Now, this is huge. Let me tell you why. Because like I have these beautiful bikes in my garage, two of them. Cost a lot of money when I bought them that one time back in the day. But they are dusty and one of them has flat tires. And I look at them going, someday bikes, I'm coming for you guys. But do you know why, even though I love to cycle, do you know why I haven't gotten back on the bike? Because I took a lot of backward steps. And now I know if I get back on that bike, pain is coming my way. Yes or no? If if those of you who cycle, you know, first of all, not only are your legs and your lungs going to be tired, but your, your backside. Come on, if you ride a bike. I'm not talking about a bike with one of those seats that are that big. 
like a saddle, like gel cushions. I'm talking about the kind that God didn't invent for us to have. It's the kind you have to wear these weird little shorts with the pads in the back. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if you ever see me on those, look away, look away. Do yourself a favor, look away. Right, there's pain coming my way, so why pain though? Why, if I had just kept writing it, even if I had written it a little bit, there wouldn't be so much pain involved, right? Now, now this is what it means. That, that's, I gave you a, a practical thing, but let's take it back to the spiritual. This is what it means to abide or remain in Jesus, that we do the same right things again and again and again over time, staying planted in the soil of God's word, gathering with God's people in his house, God's presence day after day, week after week, growing. And how do we grow? Little by little. There's a real power in staying planted and remaining as Jesus says. Now, now, now think about it like this. I have some goals in my life spiritually um, that relate to flourishing um, that, that, that have to do with what Jesus says in John 15 uh, about remain and abide. I, I, I want to pastor this church, this one and only church I've ever pastored for all of my ministry life. I, I want to remain in the same church. I want to pastor the same people and maybe more, right? It's, it's, it's a goal. It's not a guarantee. I might mess it up. You guys may rise up and toss me out with pitchforks or whatever. Like, but, but, but that's what's been happening the last 16 years of my life. Same things that we started in the beginning with. We're still doing the same things. People try to get us to do other things. We're like, no, no, no. We're going to just keep doing what we've always done. We're just going to try to get better at it. But, but, but we're going to hopefully do the same right things for a long time. There are ups and downs for sure. There are hills and valleys, but there's something powerful about doing the same right things over and over again. And we've grown in 16 years. We've grown from 11 people in our house to however many people go here now. Right. And, and it's just little by little. It's never been this big blow up. It's just been little by little, just doing the same right things. I see some of you seated in the same chairs week after week. And man, I love that right? Some of you throw elbows to get people out of your chair. If it's a guest, let them stay there. But if it's not, throw them out, right? Come on. It's comforting for me to know in in, in a world where people come and go, right? Uh, So many of you have planted yourself at LifePoint. It's amazing. I want to be your pastor. I want to walk, get old with you. Not yet. Come on, somebody, right? Gray beard notwithstanding, right? I want to be married to the same woman my whole life long, right? I want to be married to Rachel Rivers my whole life just to remain, just to abide, just to stick with it through thick and thin and ups and downs, just going to stay planted. And I'm going to flourish because I've stayed planted, right? So, so here's the thing. When it comes to your spiritual being and many other facets of life, if you resist the monotonous, the same thing over, going to go for a walk with Rachel today. We're going to go, you know, I'm going to go take her out to, to dinner this week. Or we're going to do, what, if, I, if, I, if I resist the monotonous, I'll miss the miraculous. You, you just got to know this. You're like, oh God, give me a miracle. Magic me up a miracle when I pray this one time. God most of the time doesn't do it that way. It's little by little by little by little by little by little. One day you're like, wow, how did that happen? It didn't happen overnight. Man, that guy came out of nowhere. He was an he, he overnight sensation, overnight of 20 years of doing the same right things. You see what I'm saying, right? 
So, and I think this applies to every area of our lives. Financially, I'm going to write that tithe check, right? I'm going to save money weekly. A relation, I'm going to do date nights and slow walks through the neighborhood. You just keep doing the same right things. Seems monotonous day after day, week after week, month after month. But let me tell you something. There are people in this, wor- in this room who've been doing the same right thing financially, and they're going to retire comfortably. There are people who've been doing the same right things with their marriage, and they have a, a marriage into their old age that's thriving, that's successful. Their grandkids, their, their kids want to go, I want some of that. Same right thing. Long obedience in the same direction. So Jesus says in this passage that the way that we get into the flow of flourishing with God, the way that we grow, the way we become more and more like Jesus is to stay connected to the vine. Now remember the vine is not those things that run up the wall or the trellis or whatever. It's the thing in the ground. It's the bigger thing, right? The other things, they're branches. They only can grow and flourish and stretch out because of their connection to the vine. And Jesus says, I am the vine, the part that's deeply rooted. We, you, me, we are the branches. So he says, your job, your only job is to stay connected to me. I'll do most everything else. You stay connected to me. And then he says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. But some people think I can come and go with God. I can check in, check out. I can come to church for one week and then miss 60 weeks, right? right. I met some families last year and I I thought they'd quit the church um, because I hadn't seen them all summer long. And I was like, man, so good to see you. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we just took the summer off because our kids were off. And I was like, if it was you, my bad. Okay, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus right here in front of everybody else. I'm not coming back. I'm not telling that guy anything. He'll use it as an illustration on church. <laughs> but you, you can't just be in and out, on and on again, off again. You can't if you uproot, go back. Right? Eventually, there's no flow. There's no rhythm. There's no growth. Why am I not growing? You've got to stay connected to the vine. I'm, I'm not even talking about staying connected to this church. Everybody with me this? I'm talking about Jesus his word, his people. Doesn't have to be here, just has to be somewhere. You gotta stay connected, right? So, so, so let me tell you this, consistency will always trump intensity over time, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the rabbit and the tortoise, right? But I'm, I'm super intense for three days and then I don't do anything for six months. The life that is consistent will bear much more fruit than the life that is just intense here and there. You just got to know this. So, so let me finish here. John 15. Here's what Jesus said. I am the true vine and my father is the, is the what? So God is a gardener. All right. Now truth is many of us want to think of God as a genie, right? If I rub my Bible a certain way, God gives me what I want, right? If I, if I, if I pray a certain right way and get the combination of prayers right, I get what I want. Like he's a cosmic vending machine, right? No, God's, Jesus says when he's considering, how do I tell these disciples of mine uh, how God works change in their lives, how God brings fruitfulness and flourishing in and out of them, how God forms them spiritually. He uses the analogy of a vineyard and a gardener. God is a gardener, and if you come into 
into this new year this, with, with thinking God is like a genie so that the first time I try something new, like, like a miracle's gonna come out of the lamp. <clears throat> I prayed that one time, nothing happened, right? I, I read my Bible and I fasted at lunch and I didn't do any miracles that day. Come on, somebody, right? Like I remember when I was a kid, our church would have fasts growing up and it would be like seven days. And I thought at the end of seven days, I better be able to raise the dead. Come on, y'all. Like just be walking through the graveyard, folks just popping up. After, come on, seven days, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like I, I, I tithed once and there wasn't a big check in the mail at the end of the week. I tried going to church for a couple of days and it didn't take. Like, like if that's the thought pattern, you're gonna always be, be disappointed in faith. It's a process and there's a power in just staying connected to the vine. And, and so here's the thing that I want you to grab and, and is, is the people who are in this room desperate for change, you're listening to this wherever you are for growth, for renewal, renewal. And maybe you say, look, dude, I've heard all of these things before. I don't have it in me. I can't change myself. I can't do it. And the truth I would tell you back is you're right. You can't do it. But the best news is that the vine, the vine is the one that is responsible for drawing up nutrients and water and sustaining and maintaining life and stability and nourishment for the branches. Life is in the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. And so the branches are responsible for one thing, and that is to stay connected, to abide in the vine. How does the prodigal son come to live out after the party's over? Uh, out of that great reality, that great truth, that great love that he experienced, he has to stay planted in his father's house. He can't run away again. He's got to stay there in the house with his father. You abide in the vine. You stay planted. And here's where I'm getting. Do you know who is most committed to your change? Do, 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 you, do you know who is most committed to your not being stuck in the, in the mess or the, the, mon, the mediocrity of our lives? Do you know who is most committed to your holiness, your otherness, right? And, and your faithfulness and your fruitfulness? It's Jesus. He's the vine. It's Jesus himself. He is more committed to his relationship to us, to our sanctification, to our growth than we are. Come on, somebody. And so my fickleness or your fickleness, your flightiness is no match for his faithfulness. Come on, somebody. And, and, And the mediocrity that's been part of my life, it's not greater than his mercy. Jesus is committed to your growth to your fruitfulness. And so you have to, I have to embrace the routine, the process. I have to say, Father, make me whatever that looks like. I have to embrace the mundane even in order to experience the miracle that God does in our lives. When we keep going back to Jesus, when we keep sticking in the soil of God's word, sticking in prayer, sticking with gathering together as believers. Like there's something gonna happen over time if I'll just stay connected. And if you want real change in your life and if you wanna grow and if you wanna start to flourish, you have to think about it like a seed that gets planted in the ground in the garden. Seems like nothing's happening. Seems like nothing's going on. But underneath, man, something's happening. A little growth here, a little growth there. There's progress because you're planted. So he's not a genie. He's a gardener. Our life bears fruit then, right? And begins to flourish through a process. And part of the process 
is purposeful pain. Okay, I, I'm done. I like, the, I like the other parts, but I don't like this part. I think it's true that some of you in the room, some of you listening to this, some of you watching this wherever you're at, some of you are in a season where you feel unfruitful. And you're frustrated a little bit with that. Maybe you're going through a stretch of life that's just been hard. And you're like, bro, I can't be fruitful. I can't even survive. I don't know if I'm going to survive this moment. You feel like nothing's working for you. You feel like stuff is way harder than it's supposed to be. And I'm going to tell you that it's very likely that what's happening in your life and what's happening in you is going to cause you to be fruitful. And that God the gardener might be cutting on you. He might be cutting you back. He might be cutting certain things off. You're bearing fruit on the inside, but you can't see it yet. Your soul is starting to prosper, even if in your outer world it's not. And you have to have faith in the process. And you have to have faith in the gardener God who knows how to bring it out of you. You gotta, you gotta catch this. And, and, and so this is where our faithfulness, our, our, our ability to stick with it is applied. See, too many of us wanna be fruitful, but we don't wanna be faithful. We wanna prosper, but we don't wanna stay planted. You can't be flaky and flighty and wishy-washy and expect to bear fruit. This might take a while. And oh, by the way, there might be some pain involved. Verse two, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. God's a gardener. We want him to be a genie, but he's a gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. One of the most important things that you can know is in your pursuit of a relationship with God is that he he is making something of you. He's not just trying to do something for you. He's not just trying to do something even in you. He's also trying to do something through you. That's what the the original partnership with Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. He's got a plan for your life. And the plan involves something that glorifies God and blesses others coming out of your life. And every moment of every day, God is working in me and you, trying to bring that to pass. Blessings are trying to make me fruitful. Trials, trying to make me fruitful. Sermons I hear, trying to make me fruitful. The prayers I pray in life that get answered, the ones that don't, are all about making me fruitful. In fact, Jesus says in John 15, 16, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And here's the key word, I appointed you right? So that you might go and bear fruit that will last. So God, the gardener says, I'm going to cut off every branch that is unnecessary and obstructive in your lives that is going to cause you not to be fruitful, not to, I'm going to cut that off. And then in verse two, he says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even what? more fruitful. Strange. The fruitful branch gets cut too. Not just the unfruitful branch. It seems like you should say, he says to the fruitful branch, hey, good job, little branch. Right? But it says he cuts it back. So he cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. He cuts on 
every branch in me that does bear fruit. So here's the thing. Next slide, please. You're getting cut if you do, and you're getting cut if you don't. Come on, somebody. You're cut if you do, you're cut if you don't. I will cut you a little, Jesus. That's the title. Like, now I don't know about that. Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens. This word actually means scourges, which is much worse than chastens. It's not like he just gives you, hey, bud. He's going to scourge you. That's a, that's a full-on beating. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. If, you're not if, if you are not disciplined, and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So if you're not getting cut a little for Jesus, by Jesus, you should be worried about that. So why does he cut us at all? He prunes us to prepare us for more fruit. So let's just assume here in this last moment that everybody listening, wherever you're at, all of us here in the room, me, you, all of us, there's probably something in your life and in mine that needs pruning because it's in the way of us flourishing, of us bearing fruit. So what is it? Notice two ways. He cuts off or he cuts back. Say that with me. He cuts off or he cuts back. Meaning there are some things that have to get cut off. That's what I said. The most fruitfulness thing, the, the, the most flourishing thing that could happen in your life today is that you and God would partner together in a process of elimination. You come into a new year going, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to try this new thing, I'm going to add this, add that. No, 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 no. You don't need to add any more things. You might need to start by cutting off some things. So question, what might need to cut, be cut off or at the very least cut back in your life? couple things, unforgiveness and bitterness. If you are walking around with anger and hostility and unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, even if they deserve it, you cannot, you will not flourish. You cannot. I ain't say, I'm not saying you couldn't get rich or you couldn't get a degree or you couldn't build a big business. I'm not saying that. That's the good life. I'm talking about more than, I'm talking about the God life. You will not experience the God life with this. The second thing might be some relationships that need to be cut back or cut off. If you're married, I'm not talking to you about that last part, all right? You gotta, you gotta work that out. That's why I have a marriage co conference coming up, right? It may be lies of the enemy that you have believed from culture, from the world that do not align with God's word. Those aren't gonna get cut back. Those gotta get cut off. You gotta believe God's word. What, what, what habits or hobbies are you doing that are actually not bearing good fruit in your life? And you can just ask God, God, show me. God, help me see. And God, and, and here's the key. Go from this, God, what you got for me. Father, give me. Father, make me. Whatever it looks like, whatever the pain is, whatever the trial is, whatever the test is, what's part of my financial life right now that has to be cut off? What's part of my spiritual life that's not bearing fruit? I gotta cut that off, Right? Ask yourself, am I dragging around dead branches in my life? Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's an old wound from the past. Maybe it's a negative attitude that keeps you from enjoying life to the fullest. John 10, 10, I've come. Jesus says that you have, might have life, 
and more abundantly. Maybe it's anything that you're looking at for security other than God himself. What is it? Ask God, prune that off of me. Your next steps in life towards flourishing might be a process of elimination. Because you and I, we are on a long obedience with Jesus in the same direction. Just walking it out with Jesus. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. Just walking it out day by day. Hey, Danny, you got to deal with that, bro. Let me help you with that. And God wants this for you, right? Jesus wants to help you. He wants to help me to flourish in this life. But our God is a gardener. Are you ready for that? So you got to pray that. So Lord, I pray that every person who's hearing this, wherever they are, whatever was, whatever's going on, would pray this prayer with me. Father, make me. Got into the image of Jesus. What, whatever, whatever that needs to look like, if I have to join a life group, if I have to join a serve team, if I have to go get help from a counselor, if I have to get, if I, have to, if I need to go to the front and be prayed for, if I need to take a next step of baptism, like whatever it is, God, whatever my next right step is, I just want to do the same right things over and over and over again throughout my life. My life will be a miracle because of you, Jesus. And so I pray, God, that you would just give us the grace and the courage and the strength and the wisdom, the wisdom to know that you are at work in us. And if we partner with you, you will make us more and more and more and more like Jesus. I pray this best, your blessings, your goodness, your grace, your help. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said a good amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.